You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Allahu Akbar. Yeah. <laughs> Dancing in the studios here. Yeah, yeah, there's great zikr going on. Alhamdulillah. Oh, well, is it? Another week has started and uh, here we are. Already one day over. Can you believe it? A dime is flying by so quickly nowadays. Apparently in these end days, it's a mercy to the believers. Well, there you go. So you're getting older. And you're getting older quicker. Yeah, this lovely day of Yom Al-Athala. Al-Athalatha. Athulatha. Oh boy, I've got to get these. Uh, I've, I've got these names of the of the Arabic names for the days of the week. I'm trying to get them through regular usage, uh, memorized into my head. It's still going a long way. I'm not quite sure if I'm pronouncing them properly, even. But yeah, you know that's a. Uh, ah, it's a. It really is, in a way, I suppose, an indictment against my um, my Islamic education. It's just been a very uh, different kind of Islamic education, I suppose. Quite kind of uh, haphazard, um, and yet uh, steadily progressive. I must say, over 19 years, I've accumulated quite a bit. Um, mm, but I still don't know the days of the week. Yeah, you know, the small little things that uh, fall in between the cracks. Uh, may Allah Ta'ala increase all of us in ilm. Inshallah. Rabish Rakhli Sodri wa Yasirli Amri Wahlul Uktadam Mil Lisani Yafkahu Koli. O my Lord, open for me my chest and ease my task for me and make loose the knot from my tongue that they may understand my speech. Ah, yeah, that was the, the dua of Musa, alayhi salam, uh, as he went to go and speak to Fir'aun and asked for the support of his brother uh, in order to face them. Uh, well, well, it's not that I view my listeners as being quite in, on par with your own. <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, a little bit of help from your rub hood always helps a little, doesn't it? Yeah, well, okay. So on the JSE today, slightly weaker, 0.31% down over Friday's close. 58,756 and uh, 0.27% down uh, the top 40 index on 52,760.96. The rand is also weaker against most major currencies, slightly weaker. That's after having a sterling week last week as the United States started ramping up um, all kinds of international tensions over Iran going and invading Iran's airspace with a drone and a manned aircraft with 38 men on board has now been confirmed by Donald Trump. Seems like the Iranians are speaking the truth a lot quicker than the Americans are. Uh, so, I mean, who do we believe? Uh, do we believe the Shia or do we believe the Americans? Hmm. Uh, Sunni Muslims caught between a rock and a hard place, I suppose you could say. Uh, well, you know, uh, we, we, I, th- I think we're caught between three rocks uh, because uh, we've also got our own leaders that are really a disgrace. A disgrace to the Ummah. Uh, and all around the world, you know, it really kind of like makes it difficult, um, you know, to proselytize Islam among um, among uh, people who read the news. So, you know, they just kind of look at, but they're going to like point at Muhammad bin Salman and say, "But look at that! Look at that! Look what he did to Khashoggi!" <sighs> you know, you can, yeah, but go read the Quran. Well, we're not going to read the Quran. Those people are, you know, look what they're doing. Look what the Muslims are doing. And uh, truly, yeah, the beauty, the beauty of the message uh, and the hidayat, it is in Allah Ta'ala's hands. The beauty of the message is from Allah's hands. And the perfection of the message is there for all to see. We're all going to be held accountable on the day of Qiyamah, whether or not we read the Quran and obeyed its injunctions. doesn't matter whether we are Muslim or non-Muslim. You had the opportunity there. The truth was laid out for you. 1,440 years so far, and uh, still people... Um, 44 years so far, and still people don't know uh, about the Quran. I find that astounding, you know, um, scientific uh, um, veracity of the Quran, describing in microscopic detail, and not like like a, one of those old you know, star microscopes, electron microscopic detail, you know, detail that was only available to scientists from the 1950s and 1960s, where it's been in the Quran for 1,400 years. Ah uh, well, you know it's 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 really strange. Um, you see stuff in the Quran. You read you read uh, interesting facts and data in the Quran, and it like strengthens your iman, you know. And yet a non-Muslim will read that very same, that very same truth, and uh, they will use it as a reason for rejection. 
truly when that happens, you know, you know that, uh, yeah, Hidayah truly is in Allah's hands. You know, we can speak as much as we like. We have to try and pass on the message, try and be a good example. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not easy, is it? Well, anyway, on the JSE today, um, well, okay, let's go through the rand is 14.37 to the dollar, 18.31 to the pound, and 16.38 to the euro. So maybe it's uh, the South African, the South African traders are now making their profits in clawing back uh, the, the relative strength of their own currency. Uh, they are them and the international bankers. So with the collusion of Reuters and Bloomberg. Mm. Yeah, manipulating currencies all around the world, and they claim to be journalism out outlets. Uh, they they should be fully and wholly, completely divorced, you know. Uh, but they have they have those trading platforms. Ninety percent of all currency trades in the world happen on Bloomberg and Reuters um, trading platforms, currency trading platforms, and they claim to be journalism outlets. You know, you're part of the market. Either you're in the market or you're not in the market. And if you're a journalist and you're in the market, then you can't you can't report in the market. You can't be a participant as well as an observer. I'm sorry, you know. Um, you know, all 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 of Bloomberg and and Reuters uh, business news stories should come up with like an antiseptic disclaimer, you know, a, a warning of of health of health dangers in terms of reading this stuff, uh, because uh, everything is written with a vested interest at heart. I'm sorry, you know, if they're going to do it with their currencies, why won't they do it with the rest of their news? You have to really question. Really, really, really. And I do. I challenge him. I say, you're not journalists. Anyone working for your organization is not a journalist. As long as you have those currency trading platforms um, right in there in your newsrooms, you must foot sick. You are not a journalist. I'm sorry. You know, um, but anyway, let's not get sidetracked. Okay, coming up in the news, there's been uh, a lot of interesting uh, news coming out today. Uh, shares in the JSE falling slightly, uh, but that's not too much of a worry. And uh, then, of course, uh, chicken is going to be a big part of our show today, inshallah. The great debate around the fairness or not of increased tariffs on chicken imported into South Africa is, according to some, a red herring. Uh, because uh, exports, uh, you know, we're told that, uh, well, you must allow, uh, you mustn't uh, put tariffs on chicken imports into South Africa because you are also allowed to export your chickens around the world. But in actual fact, the way it works out is that America and Brazil have got the chicken world so wrapped up that uh, there's no ways that they will accept any any imports of chicken in the, into their countries. And most especially the EU and the United States are very litigious you know, and so, yes, of course you can import your chickens into our economies, but first you must uh, go through these uh, little hoops. You may make you jump through hoops and in terms of health uh, regulations and storage regulations and transport regulations. And, of course, they're always changing it, um, you know, post-factor. So by the time, like, you know, a whole shipload of chicken from South Africa arrives in the European Union, uh, they say, oh, I'm sorry, we're going to have to impound this vehicle and... You know, that's it. That's the end of your chicken imports into those countries. So they go along and speak about reducing trade barriers, but always, they are always raising them. You know, it's um, international trade negotiations. It's still it's still at the level of uh, copper kettles and, and grass, glass beads, as they were doing 300, 400 years ago in Africa. It hasn't really got beyond that. They still want us to give away everything we have for some... Uh, you know, uh, poultry little um, baubles. Um, uh, so we'll be looking at uh, chicken imports and the unfairness or the imbalance of uh, of power in terms of who imports what to where. And uh, we'll also um, be looking at uh, what America, is, uh, United States, has got intense interest in Africa and the perception that the, our continent is of little interest to President Donald Trump's administration is incorrect course it's incorrect look at the amount of um u.s military bases that are popping up all over africa how many uh operations they conduct in non-african soil very often without any congressional uh oversight <clears throat> but then again you know donald trump had he's only just recently appointed some real uh, total non-entity as his defense secretary there hadn't been a defense secretary there hadn't been any civilian oversight of the United States military, the biggest military in the world, for over six months. 
In, in, in effect, you could say, doesn't that mean that it was a, a military dictatorship for six months? If you had no uh, civilian oversight over the military, doesn't that uh, like almost amount to a coup? At the same time, Donald Trump uh, has given himself emergency power so he can build a war. There's a state of emergency in the United States at the moment. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that they're using those emergency powers for all kinds of things other than building a wall on their, their Mexican border. But be that as it may, perhaps I'm just a little bit too um, uh, negative towards the United States. Um, I don't call myself a journalist. I don't. Um, I don't uh, hold out that I am. I am coming out here on like some kind of uh, astral plane of negativity. I am a Muslim. I'm a Muslim first. And then I work in journalism with a whole lot of people who call themselves journalists, but I doubt that they really are journalists. You see, in journalism, I have uh, the first two rules of journalism is never, the first rule is never believe your own public relations. And the second rule is journalism doesn't exist. Hmm. Yeah, journalism doesn't exist. That's the second rule of journalism. Because it's always very important to not to believe your own nonsense. You know, if you want to try and be objective and fair, you must set aside your own, um, your own uh, prejudices. And uh, only then can you start thinking about being a journalist. But before you set step in journalism, you must first realize that journalism doesn't exist. If it is going to be exist, it's going to be up to you to prove it as a journalist. And very few journalists are actually willing to go out and do that. When they bring their story in, the editor says, cut that out, cut that out. I know that we don't like that. And it's an okay thing. We must go away. Either that or they whinge uh, into their beers in a pub uh, with their journalism mates. But don't actually really do anything about it because you see They've got a mortgage to pay off. I actually don't don't think uh, a mortgaged nation <clears throat> is capable of actually uh, adequately servicing the needs of democracy. Uh, you see, very often there's need for action, and people can't take the action because they're too busy earning their salaries. Uh, in order to pay off the mortgage. Think about it. You take off a mortgage and it's going to last you, to, you've got a 20-year payoff period and you hope you're going to be able to actually complete it in that 20 years. If you commit yourself to a 20-year repayment period for your mortgage, what are you in actual fact really committing yourself to? You are committing yourself to a 9-to-5 existence uh, at least five days a week for the next 20 years without any real break for organic crises that may arise in your life. You're not going to be able to take time off to go and see your daughter's recital. You're not going to be able to take time off to be with your son when he's going through a difficult emotional period in his adolescence. You're not going to be able to take him and guide him and go for a, like a six-week trip in the mountains to really like bond and get to know each other. There's not going to be time for anything like that. You're not going to have time for your spouse. You're going to come home at the end of the evening you're going to be tired, you're going to want to put your feet up, you're just going to want to sit and probably switch on the TV set or something like that and just kind of like, you know, uh, let the broadcasting community pander to you and basically turn your brain into mush. And at the end of the evening, you're going to crawl into bed, you're going to have hardly time to kiss your wife goodnight and you're going to fall asleep and you're going to wake up the next morning, you're going to be feeling tired before you've even got out of bed. And you're going to be doing that for 20 years. That's what you commit yourself to when you sign a mortgage in South Africa. Um, in uh, various discussions about, you know, what we could do about the Reserve Bank and so on, you know, without getting too radical, like say, uh, well, we need to um, nationalize all mineral sales, not all minerals ownership. No, 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 we're not going to take ownership away. We're only going to nationalize processes. Uh, radical ideas you can get, you, um, you, you centralize all mineral sales through the Reserve Bank. Not only that does uh, that ensure that, uh, you know, um, the true value of the minerals being sold are being reported because uh, there's very solid grounds for being suspicious of uh, the remittances that government and the South African Revenue Services is getting out of the mining industry, uh, given repeated reports coming out of the rest of Africa, where they actually do look into these things. For coming out from the rest of Africa, how minerals are being smuggled out of their countries. And not being smuggled out by like an you know, artisanal miners or these, um, these what are the Zama Zama miners as we have in South Africa. 
no, not small scale, but the big mining houses are doing these things. And several times big mining houses have been caught out um, under-reporting the value of the minerals they've been exporting. Uh, but if, you know, I mean, you've got to kind of like give up on ideas like that because, one, um, I, I, I think uh, the way the, um, the, the, the government and the politicians are acting at the moment, they just steal the money. They would. They would just steal the money. But really, uh, there would be one way of keeping the, the, the mining corporations uh, in line. You know, you don't have to risk war with the United States or invasion by Britain or France because you're going to nationalize the private property of their citizens, which is what they would do. If, however, you don't, you let your citizens, you, of course, you're the owners of all the minerals you're exporting out of the country, but you will export them uh, at the price and at the pace determined by the Reserve Bank in the interest of the RAND. There's an idea of what we could do something with the Reserve Bank. Um... Other things that the Reserve Bank could do is, uh, you know, instead of having one repo rate, you could have uh, several repo rates. So you could have a repo rate um, <clears throat> and, and, and uh, the interest rates would target, you know, conspicuous consumption uh, with higher interest rates. And for necessary consumption and spending would have low interest rates and even zero interest rates. So say you're going to go buy a house. Um, that is a necessity, and you'll get 0% interest rate on that. Many strong grounds for reasons why we should have a 0% interest rate on mortgages. Banks, for one, get a lot of business simply as a result of someone holding a mortgage with them. Because if you've got a mortgage with them, well, you might as well have your savings account with them and your check account with them and your credit card account with them. Yeah, so um, it's it's um, it's a de rigueur part of uh, banking business around the world. You use mortgages in order to attract the clientele. And, uh, of course, uh, people keep their savings and their salaries with you, and that means that your um, your basic deposits uh, increase. And the bigger your, your basic deposits are, that means the more you're able to lend. The bigger your lending book is allowed to be, because you're allowed to lend, depending on where you are. In South Africa, it's around about 10 to 12 times uh, the size of your deposits. Uh, you're able to lend. You actually don't have the money. You, you don't actually lend money. You actually create money, uh, supposedly on behalf of society and for the general good. Uh, but even though it's not your property, you charge interest on it, you see. So um, that just doesn't make sense. How can you charge interest on money that you don't own? Um, yeah, but anyway. Uh, as things stand at the moment, um, there's uh, I don't think our government is actually going to be capable of of saving ESCOM, let alone uh, redirecting or rejigging the the Reserve Bank. Uh, really, it's uh, turning into worrying period for South Africa, isn't it? Yeah, uh, poultry producer. Let's get down to brass tacks, then, shall we? Um, Shares in the JSE fell 5.9.7% on Monday. No, no, I'm sorry. This is the, this is the wrong story that's uh, sitting here, but I'm just going to take that away. Please excuse me. All right, let's get down to chicken. Uh, in the great debate around the fairness or not of increased tariffs on chicken imported into South Africa, a red herring has emerged. There's a red herring among the poultry pieces. Exports. Instead of asking for tariffs to protect the local industry against imports, South Africa can cure all its chicken eels by exporting. Job done. Easy as chicken pie. Oh, really? Mm, not really. Uh, the export argument uh, is a red herring, simply because exports can never be the answer to the general unfairness that characterizes the international trade in chicken. A handful of power tra powerful trade entities notably Brazil, the European Union and the United States, have caused and continue to perpetuate an imbalance in chicken trade. They visit hardships on dozens of other countries and millions of people. They perpetuate this crime under the guise of trade, partnership and giving consumers in developing countries access to cheap protein. But what they do in reality is get rid of their byproducts at prices that destroy local industries. Honest, ethical and customer-centric trade partners produce what the customers want. The world's great chicken exporters foist the leftovers in their freezers on the developing world. That's what we are getting out, shoveled out of their, their freezers. Uh, and very often, 
And very often when, they were, when these chicken pieces get in South Africa, it's just like one huge big congealed chunk of ice. And they then have to defrost those chickens and then refreeze them again. Uh, now, you know what that does to safety standards and so on. And uh, conditions in uh, U.S. poultry uh, battery farms are, are so dirty that uh, they don't bother to try and keep it clean. They, ju they just flush everything in, um, what's it, chlorine. They just flush everything in chlorine and then refreeze it again. So, you know, that's what you're eating when you get out of the United States. Um, none of the exporters with whom fair play, which has a, has a major issue with chicken imports into South Africa, with whom fair play has an issue, export to South Africa a product they make specifically for South African consumers. We just get the leftover junk. Chicken pieces arrive in bulk, frozen mass. They have to be thawed out, packed, and sometimes even refrozen before consumers can buy them. It is such a customer-unfriendly process that the importers usually cannot even be bothered to specify the country of origin of the pieces sold to consumers. This attitude is reflected in the exports arena. None of our so-called trade partners accepts chickens from South Africa, despite claiming that we have access to their markets. The EU and the United States cite food safety concerns. Uh, you, you, you see, it's, a, it's, a, it's not warfare, it's lawfare. They're waging lawfare against us. You need to you, you need to bat smart in these situations. You mustn't be like uh, the Alec Owens of the early post-94 period trying to show the world that, oh, well, you know, like we've become ISO 9000 uh, compliant and we're now compliant with all World Trade Organization uh, requirements on trade and so on. Uh, we, we, we killed off industries in South Africa. Alec Owen, as our trade and industry minister, single-handedly killed off entire industries in his uh, rush to become compliant with uh, international so-called standards. In actual fact, if you look at the way the, uh, the, the participants, especially the experienced participants, actually participate in these bodies, they participate against the rules. They formulate rules not, for, not to facilitate trade, but to cripple their partners and their competitors. Compar partners and competitors alike. Everyone is out for their own. So, uh, you know, uh, you'll get all kinds of agreements made at regular World Trade Organization uh, negotiations and talks. Well, they used to be regular. They become a far less regular now. United States and China moving more towards unilateralism. Well, actually, China, China is not moving to you, towards unilateralism, but the de facto effect, the de facto effect of uh, their eventual deal, if there ever is one, if we don't actually end up with World War III instead. Uh, will be uh, that uh, the United States and Chinese deal will have effects with trade all over the world. It's going to become uh, um, uh, an unwelcome standard in many ways. <clears throat> and this is uh, primarily with the United States in the driving seat of unilateralism. Because it can no longer afford uh, to maintain multilateralism because that means everything is free and fair. You know, free access and, and fair treatment. The uh, United States can't afford that because its growth has completely fallen away. It's a country living on artificial stimulus, unable to repay it back, unable to even uh, like raise interest rates above 2.75%. Two, 2.75% is too high for the world's indispensable economy. Uh, you really have to ask how indispensable is an economy if it can't afford interest rates of 2.75% after it's given itself more than five and a half, otherwise it's a $5.8 trillion worth of easy money, printed money, and we still are accepting that money as real money. It's not real money. Um, and the sooner the world wakes up to that fact, well, actually, I don't know. What, what are you going to have? The United States will, um, you know, as I say many times in the show, it's no longer a superpower. It's now a super problem, a global super problem that needs to be managed by us, not by the United States. The United States is incapable of actually managing itself anymore. Um, but anyway, uh, be that as it may. The technical trade requirements uh, that the EU and the United States are frequently cite, you know, as part of their lawfare against the rest of the world, their technical trade requirements are just a red herring within the red herring, within the chicken. Mm. When a traffic cop wants to give you a ticket, you know, when you've really cheesed off a traffic cop, stop, stop, exit speed cop, make the badge up. <laughs> Uh, old, what's his name? Uh, South Africa's favorite Afrikaner. Um, 
I can't remember his name at the moment. When a traffic cop wants to give you a ticket, they will keep finding reasons to do so, despite your best proof that your vehicle is roadworthy and licensed. The same applies to our trade non-partners, because they're not partners. It's not about SA meeting or not meeting technical standards. It's about political will. The EU and the US, like Brazil, have no intention of allowing South African chicken into the markets, despite anything they say. If they had, they would have started acting as partners a long time ago. They don't. In the case of the EU, with its very specific food testing requirements, it would mean, for instance, helping to establish the independent testing facilities it requires, costing hundreds of millions of rands. At the very least, the EU would have guaranteed local producers a slice of its tariff rate quota, given the assurance of a, of a market our country needs to invest in the infrastructure that can deliver what the EU requires. You see, we know if we go and invest in all of these various uh, you know, new requirements uh, for safety and health and whatever other reasons that they raise, you go and you spend all that money getting that right, they're just going to raise another one. And then you're going to be bankrupt because now, you know, you've spent on capital equipment to rely on future sales in order to pay it off. And now your future sales aren't going to take place because the EU and the U.S. are not going to allow you in. As for the United States, much of its African Growth and Opportunity Act is held up as a mutually beneficial trading agreement. Well, it is, in fact, a concession between the U.S. and a country that is on its official list of developing countries, ours in this instance. Therefore, to demand a bilateral trade agreement for chicken imports is to demand equality from a partner that has been recognized as being unable to deliver it. So it doesn't make any sense. The United States is not interested in uh, bilateral trade agreements. That's why we get these, uh, you know, all lumped together into one basket. The game of golf offers a handy template. Consider. To level the game, lesser players are given a handicap to allow them to compete while the game improves. Apply to the chicken trade arena. South Africa would, should retrieve should receive preferential terms in a bilateral agreement by, for example, being allowed to export 65,000 tons of tariff-free breast meat into the U.S. as a pro quo for the 65,000 tons of individually quick-frozen portions it exports to us. Better yet, allow double that amount as imports from South Africa, and you have a handicap that might actually enable growth. That would be a workable kind of uh, agreement. But there's no way that the United States can allow that because then its chicken importers, exporters would go out of business and they are subsidized to the hilt by uh, the American Congress. But the chicken caucus in both the United States Senate and the House of Representatives, funded by the American chicken industry as well as the oil industry, the nuclear industry and any kind of dirty industry you care to name, would never allow this because it's not actually about fair trade, it's about protecting American jobs as it is about protecting EU and Brazilian jobs. Yet, when South Africa wants to protect South African jobs, the P word is thrown at us. Apparently, job theft is legal, but not job protection. Hmm. Anyway, we'll have to continue on this when we come back from the break. We're going to be back in just a while. We're going to cross to the market for a quick word from our sponsors. You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah. So now listen to this. South Africa, with 47, some people say 57 million. Uh, I don't know, when when last did we have a census? It's been quite a while, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's time we had another census, I think. But anyway, let's say it's 57 million. Let's say it's 60 million people living in South Africa. Out of the 60 million people, we have 9.9 million people who are unemployed. That is more unemployed people than China has. And they've got 1.4 billion people. <clears throat> so you see, uh, job creation and employment is a major issue with South Africa. Now, if we were allowed favorable and respectable uh, trading agreements with the United States, if the United States was, wasn't so greedy and, and weak, uh, it, would, it would allow us... Uh, um, you know, parity in, in trade negotiations. And that's why it lumps all of the countries like us together. We know what kind of whole countries uh, uh, Donald Trump describes us as. You know, if you're, if you're sitting under the uh, preferential trade agreement 
uh, with the United States, the Asgisa Agreement, well, then you must know that you're one of those whole countries that uh, Donald Trump talks about. We do are not deserving of like uh, bilateral uh, um, negotiations. This is the only way that America actually moves into multilateralism. You know, um, it takes countries that it cannot cow and it has bilateral agreements with them, and all of the other countries, the whole countries, as the president calls us, we shifted into one basket, and uh, and we are given the same, like you know, one size fits all agreement. And so we stuck with it. It doesn't matter if, uh, you know, what chicken conditions and employment conditions are in Cameroon. It doesn't matter what kind of employment and chicken conditions you have in Egypt or in Morocco or, um, for, that, for that matter, Bali or Timbuktu. Uh, you will get the same deal, you know. And uh, it doesn't matter how damaging it is to your country. Uh, so, you know, if we had the kind of deal with uh, with the United States that would allow us uh, to import an amount that would allow us to grow our industry, uh, that would make sense. But at the moment, we, we, we're importing 65,000 tons of ice, uh, chicken-flavored ice from the United States, uh, chicken, uh, chicken and chlorine-flavored ice from the United States every year. We defrost that muck. And then we refreeze it again. And then we say, this is chicken. Huh? I wonder, I wonder how much American chicken uh, our fast food outlets um, are, are using. We should, we, we should actually maintain a, a, conduct a campaign against them. You know, Nando's, we want to see from your sexy adverts how much, how much American and Brazilian chicken you're chowing. You know, we, we, we need to know as consumers, you know, uh, 9.9 million people. We've got more unemployed people than mainland China has. Uh, <laughs> South Africa just can't afford to allow more job losses. And the reality is that this is exactly what happens when chicken dumping continues to arise in our shores. Um, Astral Foods, Rainbow Chicken. How long can they survive? You know, astral food, there's an interesting story in our life. We've got time to go into it. Uh, it, it, it. It can't get water for its chickens. It's having to, to transport water by bucket to their chickens around Standerton um, because the water infrastructure is broken down completely. Standerton is no longer able to um, uh, provide running water. Uh, well, either, either that was providing running water to the human beings um, because of its inadequacies. It cannot provide it to anyone else. So major employers in the area are going out of business. So I suppose in some ways, you know, it doesn't matter whether, you know, South African chickens are dying of thirst. Uh, the, the chicken farmers are dying of lack of subsidies. Um, yeah, well, there's a long, there's a long way to go, but you know, maybe there's too much negativity on the show. Really, come on, I mean, we need to start getting some good news onto the show. Sometimes it can be really rare and uh, difficult to find. Um, interestingly, the business development support that is granted to South African business people by the U.S. and Brazil goes back to the importers, such as United Spears from the emerging black importers and exporters of South Africa, so proudly confirms. So instead of supporting a developing country's economic advancement, the exporters enlist local business people to help them expand their markets. Such cynical serving of self-interest is nothing short of deplorable. Uh, you know, you know, we've got BEE in emerging black importers and exporters. So United Spears uh, is able to say, and, and, and probably has got like you know the gardener on the board. I wonder if it belongs to the Spears, uh, owns the Spears Wine Farms. It's actually owned by a Muslim that. Uh, I did um, investor relations for them a few years ago. Um, hmm, interesting. Anyway, so yeah, you know, we, we, we sell that as a, this is a BEE deal. Uh, we're creating business in South Africa. We, we, we're going to get a few uh, in Pimpi who are going to import uh, you know, chicken pieces from the United States. Uh, Yankee Doodle Chicken. Yeah. And it's, uh, that, that's black economic empowerment. We've like forced thousands of battery um, farm uh, workers out of work. Um, and eventually we're going to be pushing up the price of chicken because once our own domestic market is um, destroyed. Oh, well, in actual you know, maybe we should all just go along to uh, making it legal for everyone to have chickens in their yards. Hmm? 
I mean, I mean, you know, think of it. Most people's uh, gardens at home are, are completely unutilized. You know, um, the, the the biggest asset we have on our books uh, as ordinary human beings in this country is usually the home. Uh, and most of us haven't paid it off, and we're paying through our nose, and we're having to work really hard in order to pay it off, but we hardly have any time to spend in it, you know? It's like uh, like eight hours at home is uh, ten hours at home, uh, if we're lucky in a day, and like, you know, six hours of those uh, spent asleep, if we're lucky, maybe we're not getting like three or four hours of sleep, some of us. Um, yeah, what's, uh, you know... You might as well put the home to to good work while you're not there. You might as well let the chickens uh, run wild. You know, free-range chickens um, feeding on my kikuyu grass. And, uh, you know, if, 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 the chicks are, if the children are too busy with their smartphones when you get home, at least you're going to have like a whole gaggle of, uh, well, you don't have gaggles of chicken, you have gaggles of geese. Uh, what do you have, a cluck, clutch of chickens come rushing through the, to the gate every day you get a bark, 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 looking for their food. But at least they come and say hello, you know. It means they come make their salams. Not just sitting there with their nose in the... In uh, in their smartphones or in that 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 that, that Ishita and Raman Bala, that's his love program. Ah ah, get your wife away. <laughs> I know it can be very difficult, but I've built up a list of arguments that, which you see, this is love, uh, which is very popular uh, Indian soap uh, on South African television channels at the moment. Mm. I want to get people away from I want to wean people of this is love because of course this is love comes on between seven and eight which is the time of my show <laughs> well okay we've got to wean that wife you've, you've somehow or other you've got to prize that remote control from her stiffened hands you know that look she'll give you as you're trying to now then darling just hand it over just hand it over don't let it go off don't let it go don't press the button bye 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 yeah that's how it goes well i'm sure i don't do it justice uh, but the way it should be going you should say no you must not listen to alameen templeton on business matters yeah you always said modak where's that modak um uh, that modak decoder put that modak decoder on we listen to alameen templeton business matters bye 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 hey yeah barakate yes yes indeed yeah it was a good time well spent you know um you may even laugh a bit on my show. It's very serious. It's about business. We all know that business is very boring. Um, well, usually it is anyway. Uh, so anyway, given that the developed markets uh, are closed to us for now, surely the rest of Africa is an export opportunity? Hmm? Of course it is. Well, I don't know, you know, because the rest of Africa, they actually do. Each each house has got like about 10 chickens and about 20 eggs on any given day. It is disturbing to learn that this is exactly what Ibiza means when it talks about exporting. They're going to export American chicken to the rest of Africa. Oh, boy. Surely we cannot justify exporting job theft to the rest of our continent? Mm -mm -mm. Unlike the importers, some of the big local producers are investing in countries north of the borders to support the development of domestic industries. You see, we're doing it the right way. It is important to note that regardless of what industry players can and cannot do, international trade is a government to government process. Without the government negotiating trade agreements that will support local industry, exports will sadly never be a reality. Several factors have contributed to the government's reluctance to support the local industry. Fortunately, there are encouraging signs that the tide is turning. Notably, the master plan that is being developed as a joint effort of the government and the industry to create an enabling environment for industry growth through stakeholder collaboration and transformation. Well, that sounds like a whole lot of gobbledygook uh, going back to 1994. We've seen where that hasn't really taken us much further as a nation. Uh, but anyway, uh, well, it, it is nevertheless a promising sign, a little, little shoot of green popping out of the ground. Export should always should be in phase two in the project to make the local industry stay safe. The first step should be to turn job theft into job creation by putting an end to reckless imports and dumping. After all, if the local chicken industry is destroyed by imports, there will be nothing to export. And then it won't be as good, as good, as good, as nice. It'll be goodbye. Yeah, well, so anyway, the United States says today that it has intense interest in Africa. Mm, doesn't that make you worry? 
you know, like they've got intense interest in Syria. They've also got intense interest in Libya and intense interest in, to, in Iraq and intense interest in Iran. Like, you know, when America is looking with intense interest at you, uh, is it not going to be long before going to be turned into a block of cinder? Mm. Uh, yeah, well, uh, well, according to uh, the U.S. Ass Assistant Secretary of State for Africa, came to address the South African media today. We only get the Assistant Secretary, you know. They've probably got about like 500 Assistant Secretaries, you know, one Assistant Secretary for each country to try and pretend that they really do care about us. Um, he's, he's probably been paid minimum wage, you know. He gets back to the United States and he gives up his job as Assistant Secretary of, uh, of State uh, to take up a job at the local magazine. McDonald's plant. Uh, but the U.S. Uh, Assistant Secretary of State for Africa, uh, his name is Tibor Nagy, he says that he really disagrees that the Trump administration has Africa on the back burner. He says, I found intense interest across the political spectrum, from the furthest right to the furthest left. There is a huge commonality in wanting to see Africa succeed. Mm. We don't really believe that, do we? No. And the U.S. involvement in that narrative grow. As long as the U.S. is involved, Africa is not going to grow. Take it from me. Uh, you just look at their track record. South Africa is the last stop in the country in the diplomats' cross-country tour of the continent. Yay, we've got a little assistant secretary coming to see us today. Let's drop everything and go listen to what he has to say. Well, Nagy says the U.S. is uh, South Africa's third biggest trading partner. Mm. With two trading trade in, in 2018 of $13.7 billion. Uh, everything from precious metals, iron, steel, and aluminium to automobile parts, car parts, and millions of tons of citrus and table grapes from South Africa go to the United States. We get rotten chicken in exchange. Great. Now, he says, you know, if you want to get stuck with this, uh, you know, it's common basket as GISA uh, program, the African Growth and Opportunity Act. So it's not as GISA, it's a goer. All right, so I don't pay attention to the, the, the latest nomenclature coming out of the United States. It's a goer. It's not a skisa. Skisa, there's accelerated growth and in investment accord, uh, which came out in 2006. wasn't supposed to pay for ESCOM and everything. Uh, oh, well, where did that go? ESCOM now 500 billion rands in debt. Can you believe it? And it looks like it's going to be another 230 billion rand more. And... Um, it's going to cost so much to get Madupi and Kusili up and running that they're actually thinking of mothballing them and closing them down. Spend about 300 billion rands on them and now we're just going to walk away from it. That really does give confidence in your government, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So, uh, anyway, if we want to hold on to this, this, um, this uh, chewed piece of gristle that the United States says is it's an Africa Growth and Opportunity Act, if we want to be included in the basket cases of countries that it deals with as a basket case, well, then we're going to have to stop talking about um, the state seizing land. He says that the Land Act and, uh, you know, uh, is, has got everyone in the United States worried and they're not going to come and invest in South Africa is... As everybody knows, President Trump has asked Secretary Pompeo to monitor the situation on land, to look at it closely, uh, which is what we are doing. That's why he's here in the country, uh, because that would be a loaded issue that U.S. investors would take a very close look at when making a decision about whether or not to invest in South Africa. That's what Maggie says. And we ask ourselves... Uh, at the same time as, uh, you know, we like holding our hands for a few pennies from the United States, NASPAS plans to take more than a trillion rands out of South Africa and invest it in Europe. Mm -hmm. A trillion rands going out of South Africa. And we say, no, we must worry about foreign investors coming to the country while, while our own businesses are spending more money overseas than uh, the um, investors in South Africa. Um, yeah, okay, there's something wrong with this picture, don't you think? Huh? Uh, no, 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 not spouse, uh, because of its fortuitous investment into 10 cents. Uh, back in like oh, 94, 95, 96, uh, Kurs Becker, who's a very, very clever Afrikaner, I must say, very clever man. Uh, went over and established great ties with mainland China long before any even American businessmen were doing that. And uh, as uh, as Salts got multi-choice and nuts pass with a real uh, a real nice deal with the Chinese, 
um, all kinds of things he did, like uh, bringing seeing, uh, transmitter beacons to all the villages in China and giving them access to television straight away. The Chinese really loved that. It was a that was a cheap and easy technological innovation. Rather than okay, we're going to have to launch uh, five satellites and uh, going to spend billions and rands developing rockets and so on before we're able to do it. Now space came along and and developed them, De- delivered the d- television to the remotest villages in China, and China loved them for that. And as a result, they got 30% of NASP of 10 cents, one of the biggest internet companies in the world. And uh, that 10 cents um, had just continued growing and growing and growing and growing. And now it's got so big that they stay, it's starting to distort values on the stock exchange. And so now what must we do? Oh, we must take the money over to Europe, says the white businessman in South Africa. Mm. What year is it again? It's 2019, right? When did we have the so-called Democracy Committee in South Africa? 29, there wasn't even the 20s, you mean it was the last century? It was a millennium ago? It was in 1994. And the white businessmen in South Africa, in collusion with uh, the black politicians, uh, black politicians acting in the usual way that they do, they allowed allowed, um, the beers to take their diamond hoard out of South Africa that had been kept here by the apartheid government all those years. Thank you for the bakshish. And uh, now, you know, we've got exchange controls in South Africa. We're speaking about exchange controls in South Africa. But now Spouse is marching off to Europe with a trillion rand under the belt uh, while we are talking about, you know, we need to attack foreign investments and all of these kinds of things. You know, there's a trillion rand like uh, going across the border. And uh, we're saying, no, no, we need to, you know... um, we need, we, 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 we need to stop importing rotten chicken into our markets in order to create jobs. We need to stop exporting a trillion rands to the United European Union in order to create jobs. If you ask me, that would be just one little intervention that would go down. Like a lead balloon in Nussbaus in Stellenbosch circles. Uh, but, you know, really, I, I, I think uh, we should be looking at more about why is South Africa investing a trillion rand in Europe? Huh? When uh, we are still worried about what um, what Moody's is going to say in November when it uh, when it brings out its final recommendation, which we know is going to be a downgrade, unless something really miraculous happens in the meantime. Not that it can't happen; it can happen. It can happen. Uh, poultry producer Astral Foods, uh, which said in May that water supply issues at its Standerton facility had already costed at least 85 million rands, says it has g- agreed to an emergency but costly arrangement with a local municipality that will allow it to operate as normal. They, they've got like a line of employees you know, all the way from the Astral Foods uh, chicken uh, battery farm. And the line stretches all the way to the local dam, and they, they, they're passing buckets along. Basically, it's, it's almost where, where, where they are at the moment. The company says the deterioration of municipal infrastructure in the Lekwa municipality, that's the Standerton name nowadays, has led to water supply interruptions at its plant there. The problem has been worsening despite a court order requiring the municipality to provide a minimum supply of water, he said at the time. You see, this is the thing. You can get a court to order specific performance, but if it's beyond the capabilities of the respondent to fulfill, then it's just a waste of time. You see, you can go in court, you can get a court order, you can get judicial review of government action, but you cannot get judicial review of government inability. You know, uh, that's what the people who uh, wrote our constitution didn't think about, did they? Yeah, you know, we've got review of government action, but uh, we, we, we have got no review of government ineptitude. Uh, and you see it all the time if uh, you go and spend a few days in the courts. It's a really great way, you know, if you're retired. Um, it's a really great way to spend the day. Very interesting. It's, it's like um, it's Judge Judy and, um, you know, all, all, all of these various kind of like uh, judges that they have on television nowadays all rolled into one. You can go and you can go and see, you can go and see criminal trials. You can go and see um, commercial trials. You can go see family trials and breakup trials. I mean, it's fantastic. It's like live TV. Um, I decided when I was a court reporter, a young man working with the Star newspaper back in the 90s, that, uh, you know what, maybe this is how I'm going to spend my retirement. 
Um, here I'm 21 years old and I'm planning to be doing exactly the same thing when I'm in my 60s. Uh, but be that as it may, it's a wonderful way to spend the day. You get to know, you get, you get an education. And you know what? You get an education on so many issues. You go and spend your time in the courts. Such a broadening of your general knowledge. It's amazing. And uh, if, you're a, if you're a retiree, uh, it's a fantastic way to spend the day. It's also fairly safe. Um, uh, you know, the, the the people you really have to worry about are the prosecutors and the the, the corrupt prosecutors and the police. Every now and then there's a, there's a shootout. Uh, but, uh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's safer than South African streets, let me put it that way. But safer than South African buses. And pensioners are allowed to travel for free on buses. Uh, they're also allowed for free into the courts as well. Um, but anyway, Astral Foods went and got a court order against the Standerton Lekwa uh, Council that you must provide us with water. Well, the council says uh, that we're not able to. Uh, Astral has only recently, with the assistance of a national government department, secured an emergency arrangement with the Lekwa municipality as an interim measure to stave off the current water crisis. I wonder what um, the Standerton residents think about this, you know. All this, all this uh, water is going to the chickens. Kind of reminds me of uh, Nestle. Nestle was uh, targeted a few years ago because um, its, uh, its chief executive said corporations have got a greater right to water than human beings. And it would appear that it's not just corporations, but in Standerton it may be that chickens have got a greater right to water than human beings because they corporate chickens. Um, may, may, maybe, you know, if uh, things really start falling apart, the safest place to be in South Africa is going to be in a, in a battery farm, just hiding among the chickens. At least you're going to get food and a little bit of mini-meal every now and then. Um, uh, it said uh, it, uh, that Ted got, you know, a brought-in big brother. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what politicians are for, you see. Um, yeah, the human beings are starving, are, the, are, star, are dying of thirst in Stanerton, and the chickens are looking anxiously out of the window at the line of human beings with buckets leading all the way to the local dam. And uh, the chickens are wondering, are we going to get our, our water today? And, uh, you know, uh, the, the human beings start dying, you know, dying as, as they pass in along the pass the bucket there, the job well done, and then they die. They die on the road, and the bucket makes its way slowly up the road from the dam to the, to the battery hen, and the, the chicken then you know, drink at their leisure and then wait for another line of dying human beings to provide them with their precious water. Mm, is this is what is happening? So anyway, uh, you know, uh, Lekwa has been saying no, they're going to f fix the water treatment plants and do all of these kinds of things, but no one has got it right yet. Um, but Astral does have Goldie chicks, and you know, you remember the the the, the trouble that the Goldie chicks had a few a few months ago, you know, a few years ago. You got old um, uh, what's his name, uh, the Springs. So the defenders of the Constitution, Umar, Zahir Umar, got Zahir Umar onto their case. Boy, they've regretted that ever since. I'm afraid we have run out of time. The chickens have, 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 have flown the coop and they've taken the time with them. That's the, all we have time for, for today. Jazakumullah for joining us and make dua that whatever trading activity you get up to today will be profitable. And above all, halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.